0: Hey, let me uh, take a moment and just share just a little bit of an update of some things that have taken place. Uh, First of all, I was told this morning that we had someone receive Christ on Friday through the ministry uh, that Pat Wanamaker gets to share. And so we wanna pray uh, specifically for a lady named Rose today. She is a new believer and uh, we celebrate that because that's really what the church is about is introducing people to Jesus Christ. Um, I was actually in Alabama on Friday and while I was there, I had the privilege of baptizing my niece and uh, what a blessing that was. It also created an open door to be able to share the gospel with the entire family as everybody was there together and they asked me to do the service, so it was an opportunity for me to share with them why we baptize, the fact that it is because of what Jesus Christ has done for us, the salvation that came through him and his grace, and the fact that in many ways it is an opportunity to testify to the saving work that he has already done. Uh, What a blessing that was and uh, I do want to use this as an opportunity just to mention we have had a lot of new folks that have come to the church over the past, uh, really, the past three or four months. And uh, I just wanted to mention on Easter Sunday last year, we did a baptism service as a part of that service, and we would love to be able to do that. If you have not been baptized, we would love to be able to have the privilege of doing that with you on Easter Sunday to shell- celebrate as a part of the body of Christ the work that God has done in us. So, Just thought I would pass that on to you as a little bit of information. Uh, before I get into my sermon today, I want you to know I, I've had a couple individuals Who have informed me that they didn't even know that I was in a series on stewardship? Because we've done, uh, we've talked about a lot more than just money. One of the things that we often assume is that money is all about what's in our checkbooks, but really, it's a, it's a whole lot more about what's in our hearts, the things that are going on around us, the things that are taking place within the church and the ministry of the church. They said that they could tell last Sunday that this is a series on stewardship, but they said that's the only time they've really heard it. Well, after today, you're going to think, well, it's still the only time. But I want you to understand today that as we look, this is very. Much a sermon on stewardship. We look at it a little bit different because often what we do is we only focus on the money side, but stewardship is about a whole lot more than just our money. In fact, one of the greatest aspects of stewardship is found in love. You know that the month of February is a month that we often celebrate love, and love comes in many different forms. Sometimes it's a very easy type of love where you simply enjoy the presence of others. Sometimes it can be a more difficult experience. I'll give you an example. Earlier this week, uh, my little four year old was having a, an earache. And it had bothered him for a while and Linda gave him some medication, put it down in his ear and about an hour passed and he's still crying because he's in pain. And I've come into the room by this time and I'm trying to console him a little bit and Linda says, well, I tell you what, we can give you a little bit more medicine and hopefully that will take care of it. Well, apparently he didn't like the medicine because he's been crying for this entire time and the moment she said that she was going to give him some more medicine, he stopped and he looked at her. And he said, no, it actually is starting to feel better already. <laughs> and then the tears began to come again. And he said, maybe it still hurts a little. <laughs> the point is that neither of us enjoy having to give a child medication, especially if it causes some pain. But sometimes doing the right thing is not always making people more comfortable. That is a part of love. It is a part of us being able to love people even in difficult times. Understand today as we look, we're going to be looking at a passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Love does not always look the same. But love is something that has been modeled for us first of all through Jesus Christ. And now he calls us to also understand his love. There's a woman, her name is Anna Mae Bullock. She grew up in a small town called Nutbush, Tennessee, yet her music would shape a generation of rockers. After a stormy relationship with her husband, she launched her own music career and has become known as the grandmother of rock and roll. In the mid-80s, she released a blockbuster hit that, in, that asked this question, what's love got to do with it? Apparently, for Anna, also known as Tina Turner, the answer was nothing. She has gone through one relationship after another, based her success primarily on sex and suggestion. Perhaps I shouldn't be so hard on Tina Turner, though. She isn't any more misguided about love than any other singer, be it pop, rock, country, whatever you listen to. Our, air, our airwaves are flooded with songs about love. Our bookshelves are filled with books about love and romance. More than 49 million people have sought out love through online dating. And I, I'm going to tell you, it's not always a bad source, but the point is that we're looking for love in a whole lot of places and we're not really finding what we're looking for. I went uh, and just did a little bit of research this week Five of the top ten topics searched on the internet in 2014 involved love and sex. What's love got to do with it? You need to understand that people are asking that question. What does love have to do with life? It seems that so few know what love is really about. As she asked this question, Tina Turner asked this question, what's love got to do with it? I will tell you the answer is everything. I want to talk this morning about what God's love has to do with us. If you would, turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 13, and we're going to look at really the first seven and a half verses this morning. It says this, If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries... And all knowledge. And if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. For love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrongs, for love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. If we are going to understand what love has to do with life, then there are a few things that we need to see. And we see it so clear in this passage. First of all, we need to understand the priority of love. It would seem to me that at the heart of this passage is the idea that a lot of people can do a lot of good things. But all the goodness in the world is simply not good enough without the presence of love. You can accomplish a lot of great things, but it's still incomplete if we do not have love at the center of it. In fact, let me point out five quick principles that are associated with this. First, without love, all that I say is ineffective. Words without love, they're simply empty. Perhaps the greatest model of this comes in a relationship between a child and a stepfather. Imagine a new male figure taking the role of father within the home. He comes in and his desire is to help. And one of the first things that most fathers end up doing is discipline. The problem is that if a individual walks into that home and they say certain things that are intended to discipline, if they do it without first establishing the relationship that's based in love, it will not be received well. The point is, love has to be the foundation of whatever comes from our mouths. There are times that we say things and we have really good intentions, but if we haven't expressed our love, then we have a problem. We are told repeatedly in the New Testament to speak the truth, and it says it in different ways, in love or in gentleness. Often the problem is not what we say, but the fact that we lack the presence of love in the midst of it. Far too often we have have seen something that was inappropriate and we wanted to address and we wanted to make things right, and our goal was to fix the problem. But if we do so without clearly expressing love, we fail. Love has to be the centerpiece. If not, all that I say will be ineffective. It falls on deaf ears. Second, without love, all that I know is incomplete. The pastor that I grew up under uh, had a statement that he used over and over again as I was growing up. I know that he didn't come up with it himself. I've been told that it was Flip Wilson who actually uh, coined this phrase somewhere along the way. And he basically would say, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. You can be the most intelligent person in the world. You can have all kinds of knowledge. But if you do not also demonstrate a love and a compassion for people, whatever you know, again, it will fall on deaf ears. If you do not display to people that you love them, what will happen is nothing. We need to recognize the importance and the value of actually knowing The people around us and loving them. Uh, I was reading a a statement this week from one of the professors that uh, taught me at Indiana Wesleyan at Wesley Seminary, and uh, he was referring to professors. Uh, Actually, I believe he attended this church when he was in college at Southern Wesleyan, Ken Skank. And uh, he was referencing uh, professors who think that their job is simply to bless the academic world with their intelligence and knowledge, as opposed to falling in love with their students and being able to invest in them. There's a completely different mindset, different mentality that's associated with that. When we begin to recognize that the people around us are a blessing to us and we begin to love the people who are in our lives When we begin to share the things that we know, I will guarantee you it will be far better received. We must be individuals who clearly demonstrate the love of Christ in the way that we share with people. Until we love, everything we know will be incomplete. The third thing is without love, all that I believe will be insufficient. I'm going to approach this from a different perspective, one of the biggest catchwords in Christianity is believe. It's the action that's used in John chapter 3 verse 16. Remember the whosoever believes in him? In addition on 24 other occasions in the New Testament, people are called to believe in order to be saved. And when we reference fellow Christians, we refer to them as believers. This word believe is incredibly significant. But belief without love is insufficient. Consider the fact that Satan believes that Jesus is the Son of God, but his eternal destiny is hell because he believes without love. To believe but not be filled with the love of God is simply not enough. I know whoever believes upon him shall be saved. That is a truth of scripture, but true belief will be associated with our love for God. Because what we're believing is not just that he is the son of God. It's not just that there was a story that happened 2000 years ago and that Jesus died on a cross, but it is a belief in the fact that he did so because of his great love for us. We're not just believing in who he is. We are believing in the fact that he loves us more than anything else in the world. When we begin to believe like that, our love is automatically included. Without love, everything I give in verse 3 is insignificant. This one's a little hard for a pastor to say. Especially as we go through a series on stewardship. But I I really need you to catch this. Without love, whatever you give, it is insignificant. You heard me say it last week as I talked about giving cheerfully. So it shouldn't be a surprise to you. But God is far more interested in your heart as opposed to your money. In fact, look at it this way. If you give God all of your money. But you do not give him your heart, then you haven't given him enough. But if you give him your heart, the amount of money that you give will always be more than enough, because if he truly has your heart, he'll have all of you. Far too often we have looked at this issue of giving, and we've almost approached it only from an an aspect of obedience. And by the way, there is an obedience factor that ought to be included in our giving. God does call us to give a tithe. He he calls us to give a tenth of everything that he's blessed us with. It's the understanding that the 100% that we have was his, and he generously gave it to us. And he does call us to give a tithe or a tenth. But this issue of the heart makes that tenth irrelevant. You see, for many of us, what we've done is we've said, well, I'm going to give my 10th out of my act of obedience. But when it becomes the issue of the heart, the 10th isn't our cap anymore. We're not limited to, well, I can give up to this because that's my 10th. Actually, when it becomes a heart issue, sometimes God may say to you, I want you to give 20%. I'll provide for everything else. I'll be the one to give to you generously, just like I did before. The act of giving has never been about money. It is about our hearts, making sure that our hearts are right with God. Again, you could give all of your money to God, but if you do not give him your heart, then you have given an insignificant gift. And finally, without love, all that I accomplish is inadequate. The second half of verse 3. Consider the story of Joshua as the Israelites prepared to enter into the promised land. Much of Joshua chapter 1 is about this great challenge that was sitting in front of the Israelites. They were about to overcome giants in the land of Canaan. They had followed Moses around for 40 years. They were excited. They're looking forward to, to actually experiencing the promised land. As Joshua is taking over, God gives him some very basic instructions. This is what you must do. The whole theme of that chapter is to be strong and courageous. In fact, it's repeated four times, but the second time that it's mentioned is the only time it receives emphasis. To be strong and very courageous is in Joshua chapter 1 verse 7. And as he is instructed to do so, each time there is a specific reason. For example, in the first one, uh, in verse 4, it actually tells him, Be strong and courageous, for you are about to lead these people to inherit the land that was promised to them. You're going to need to be strong and courageous because you're going to lead these people who sometimes they love you, sometimes they don't. That's the way they worked with Moses. That's the way they'll work with you. But on top of that, you're going to go into the promised land. It's a great place But it's a dangerous place. There are giants that live in the land. So Joshua, you need to be strong and courageous. Each time there is a very clear reference, there's a reason for him to be strong and courageous. But pay attention that there is only one time it's emphasized, and this is what it says. Joshua, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to keep the law that Moses gave you, not turning to the right or to the left. You see, the the thing is, Joshua, you can go in and you can take possession of this land. You can beat these people because God is the one who's going to give you the victory. You know that because you've already seen it over the last 40 years. Everywhere you went, God provided for you over and over and over again. You guys have passed through the Red Sea and the Egyptian army was destroyed. As other armies began to rise up against you, God gave victory. You know that you can be victorious. However, Joshua, if you go in and you possess that land and you find victory, yet you choose to walk away from the law that God gave, you still fail. Do you understand that? You can experience all the victory you want, but if you walk away from the God who gave you that victory in the first place, then you fail. We see this today in all kinds of avenues. You know that we're looking at bringing someone in uh, who has uh, struggled with addiction. I have seen an addiction so many times where individuals, they have set their eyes on the victory of no longer being enslaved by drugs or alcohol. And in the process, they eventually find that victory, yet it is still incomplete if Jesus Christ is not the center of it. And the same thing is true for all of us. You can be very victorious. You can have great success in your life. There may be great things that happen. But if you do not allow the love of Jesus Christ to be the centerpiece of your life, you are still walking in defeat. Jesus Christ and his love is the only thing that can truly bring satisfaction to us. Everything else is inadequate. I like the way Paul says it in Galatians 5 verse 6. He says the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. This explains the priority of love. Let's also look today at the practice of love. Love is in action. It's something that you do. It is a choice giving a person what they need, not necessarily what they deserve. Uh, Often we've looked at love as being something that we do between a particular individual like a spouse or a girlfriend or a boyfriend. Or maybe it's a type of love that you have with a family member where you interact with this individual and there's just this relationship that's there. You connect with them very easily. Did you know that sometimes loving people means nothing more than showing grace to the individual? Not giving them what they deserve but rather what they need. There are some people that are very easy to love. There are some people that are not. Some of you guys have already thought about that family member. If you haven't, they're thinking about you. All of us know that there are some individuals in our families and in our lives that it is very easy to love that individual. And some of us realize that there are many that are not so easy to love. To love someone is not necessarily to only embrace the ones who are just like us. But rather to realize that whether they're like us or not, they were all created in the image of God. And therefore, we have the calling to go and to love that individual. So that they might understand the grace of God. Let me share with you four aspects of real love. The First one is this, real love... Will always serve. Galatians 5:16 says, So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of your sinful nature. As we live by the Spirit, we will serve other people. It's not so much about serving ourselves, satisfying our own sinful desires, but as we love others, we will choose to serve. Second one, real love will sustain. This is the idea that there is no love without commitment. Again, from the same passage we read earlier in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, there is no love without commitment. But with the commitment to Jesus Christ, what happens is we love even when other people don't deserve it. My commitment often shows what I love. What are you committed to? What are the things that are important to you? What are your priorities? Is it that boyfriend or girlfriend is it your job? Is it a sport, and activity that you participate in on a regular basis? By the way, there's nothing wrong with having a family member that is very important to you, that you're committed to. Nothing wrong with a job that you work hard at, that you're committed to. Nothing wrong with enjoying sports and activities. But if those are the things that are of greatest importance to you, then maybe you should ask, Why God is not higher on his list, on your list. Real love always sacrifices. You can give without loving. I love the way this is stated. You can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. Not just talking about finances, but I'm talking in the way you treat other people. And the last one is real love always shares. We understand the permanence of love, the fact that as the last verse that I read to you stated today, love never fails. There are times that other people will, other things will. But when it comes down to it, our love ought to be the thing that sustains us. Out of faith, hope, and love, love is the greatest. But it is only one. It is the only one that is in heaven. Faith is not an issue in heaven. Did you know that? Because Jesus is there with us. Hope, what are we hoping for? We've already received. But the love of God is the one thing that will be with us for all eternity. So I challenge you today to examine, first of all, the love that you have for God. You know his love is great. He has done incredible things for you. He has made it clear to you that there is nothing else that is more important to him than you. You know how great his love is how is your love for him? You say, oh, I love God. And my response, oh, that's wonderful. So how do you display that love? Because we talked about all these other aspects of love. The things that we say without love, it's still inadequate. It's incomplete. You say you love God, great. How do you show that you love God? Is it evident in the way you serve? Are you going out of the way to be a blessing to others? Is it evident in the way that you give, knowing that you are actually investing in God's work and his kingdom? Is it evident in the words that come from your mouth? Do you still speak the truth, but with love and grace and gentleness? It's nice that we say we love God, but I'm asking today for you to examine your own heart. Maybe the answer for every person in this room today is absolutely My life demonstrates my love for him. And if that's the case, praise God. But I'm telling you that if it is not, the time has come for us to look and to see what needs to change in us. God has shown an amazing type of love for you. Will you respond by displaying an amazing type of love for him? If you would bow your heads and close your eyes with me. Father, as we come before you today, we're so grateful for your love. We're so grateful for the fact that there is no limit to your love. It's not something that we earn, but it's something that you have freely given. But I pray today that you would help us to respond by showing you that same type of generous love. But I pray that you would help us to serve not reluctantly, but realizing that through our service, we can be used by you to change this world. Help us to give generously, knowing that as we give, we are investing in a work that goes far beyond us. But I pray that you would help us to speak the truth with gentleness and grace and love, so that as we speak, we might become the voice of God to a broken world. Lord, I pray today that your love would be evident in every aspect of our lives. You know where we've fallen short. Lord, I pray that you would make up the difference. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be changed, to become those vessels that would bring love to the people around us. And Lord, we'll give you praise for what you do. In Christ's name we pray, amen. I will tell you that as I have shared this with you, I wanted to share just, just real briefly a couple examples of love. Just something to think about. I'll give you a simple one congregational-wise. I mentioned it earlier, but last Wednesday night when people gathered just to serve, just to express love to the community and their love to God. What an encouragement that was. I was thinking about E.B. Thomas this morning. Mary Will will likely pass away within the next 24 hours, but he is a man who has demonstrated so much love for so long to his wife. I wish we all had that spirit of love within us. Every one of us could identify individuals in our lives who have demonstrated an amazing type of love. The only thing I challenge you to do is you be the one that others would talk about. You be the one who displays that unconditional love to the people around us. As you do, God will be honored. So thank you guys for being with us this morning and go in peace.